Moses was grown, that he went out to his brethren and looked at their bodies, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, why are you striking your companion? Then he said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water, and they filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. Now go to verse 21. Then Moses was content to live with the man, and Jethro, that's his father-in-law, gave Zipporah, his daughter, to Moses, and she bore him a son, he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land, verse 23. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God had their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob, and God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. Now the last bit before we go on. That's the opportunity that somebody else has had in a long time to hear the Bible read three times. So please pay attention. Are we together? Good. Exodus 3 7 through to 10. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrow. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now let's bow our heads. King of glory, we magnify you. We elevate you high above all else. We commend your word back into the hall of your hands. Lord, oh God Almighty, breathe upon it. Breathe upon me. Breathe upon, Lord, this assembly. Breathe upon everyone here, Lord, oh God, young and old, that somehow, a nugget you have prepared, Lord, oh God Almighty, is established, Lord, oh God, in the life of we, your children. Show yourself mighty. I commend myself to you, Lord. Establish a communication, Lord, oh God, between the Spirit and this audience of yours, Lord, oh God, that indeed the Holy Spirit moves in this place. Speak through me like an oracle of yours. Let no one leave this place the same way they have come, but be transformed and renewed and reminded and encouraged that you are God and there is none like you who delivers the powerless, from the mighty. Blessed be your name, Father, Lord. We give you glory and all the honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And the church of God said, Amen. Hallelujah. How many of us know that this is not a new account? If you have gone through Sunday school or some Bible class, so at some point you would have had this account numerous times. The wise man said, there's absolutely nothing new on that. So for the purposes, thank you very much, for the purposes, of title, you can call it 
holding out until it's time. Hallelujah. Now, before you may say how and why, how did God allow this to, to, to happen? Now, go with me to Genesis 15. I believe, let's start from verse 12. If you're still with me, projection team, let's work together. Genesis 15, from verse 12. Uh -huh. It says, now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abraham, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here where Abraham was at that time for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Uh, one of the things we want to point out to each other today, there are certain places and circumstances and situations that we will find ourselves that we cannot pray fast, uh, call prayer meeting out of. The grace of God is what sustains through those circumstances and situations because there is no amount of prayer that will fast track 400 years. Are we still together? And now, um, if we are not seeing with the eyes of God or hearing by the Spirit, there's a tendency to jump the gun and think it is the devil. In this particular session, the, the, the Bible makes us realize there is no indication in the Bible that says the children of Israel sinned and therefore they were held captive for four centuries. This was purely divine orchestration because God was preparing something. Are we still together? So, let's quickly, what, what is the, the significance of this for Egypt, for Moses, which we mentioned, and for the children of Israel? Now, Egypt, at that time, represented the most viable economy in any form, shape, or fashion that you could look at it. Military might, they had it. Economic prowess, they had it. Technology, they had it. The best sorcerers, they had. The best voodoo priests, they had. Are we still together? Now, God allowed Egypt to be so prosperous, sent his children there, so that in that place where they were being afflicted, they would grow. In that place, the Bible says that in that place, God was preparing them. God told Abraham well before that he would take them out and they will live with great possessions. Minister Antonia was in Numbers 23, 19. God is not man that he should lie. What he says, it does when he speaks, it is done. So Egypt was blossoming and flourishing. For Moses, their leader, God allowed him to be born at that particular time. Please note at that time, um, they were probably there, probably about, if my mathematics is right, about 350 years they have been in that situation. 
Moses was born in Egypt for a particular purpose because God had appointed and anointed him to be the leader that would take them out. But Moses himself needed to go through a process of learning because the way he was when he was 40, because we read in there that he looked out one day, looked this way and that way. And because he had it in him, he couldn't stand injustice. Looked this way and, and looked that way and he killed an Egyptian law enforcement officer. Who sent him? God does not ask you and I. We don't need to look over our shoulder to fulfill God's instruction. If he says go and kill them, honestly, go and kill them. It's the, don't look at me funny. My wife is looking at me. It's the Bible that says so. <laughs> Hallelujah. If the Bible says go, Therefore, and kill. Go, therefore, and kill because God has gone and nobody can hold you to account. But Moses looked this way. Looked that way. He did not lift up his eyes to the hills from where instruction and help comes from. So God realized that, okay, whilst I have called this man, he needs to go to the school of advanced learning. Are we together? Now, if you're a parent here, your mom, you're a dad. Somehow, you are a leader. But God takes us through training. So he chucked Moses to the back of the desert for 40 years. Now, please note for that next 40 years, Pharaoh and Egypt were oppressing and contending with the children of Israel. And God realized that the way Moses was, there is no way. Now, please note this. I looked at it this way. He killed an Egyptian law enforcement officer. So maybe he would have gone to the camp of Israel, try and recruit people who have not been trained for war. Are we still together? So maybe his one-man army gradually will build up. But it's just a process of time. We are talking about the best military, the best intelligence in the world. So God realized that, ah, this man's, the way this man is, he's going to cause me more trouble. Are we still together? Somehow, some of us are in that situation. As we speak, God has called you. He said, you and I were chosen. We're royal priesthoods, holy nation, peculiar people to declare the praises of God who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, it was going to be 40 years for this process of training to be completed. Please note also, the children of Israel, they were not ready. So everything, the Bible says in, in Romans 8, 28, I believe, the Bible says all things work together. The good, the bad, and the ugly are working together. So when things doesn't really look right for you, go and see with the eyes of God what God is saying. What is God wanting me to learn in this particular? Because if you and I do not pass that test, he is not about to send that Moses back to Egypt and is not about to release the children of Israel. Now, in the latter part of, I'll find it now, in the latter part of Exodus, um, Exodus 2, aha, 23, in the process of time, the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage. There was no record. There was no record. 
prior to that time, that they groaned. Thank God for the word that the pastor Farisha Wedding was praying, that we groan in the spirit prayer. They lifted up their voices and said, Lord, it was about time. This thing has festered long enough. So they had held out upon the altar, and their prayer resonated with what heaven was doing, and Moses was ready at that time. So God was training the leader who was going to take them out, and God was training them to recognize that it's not by might or by power, because for the most formidable military in the world, there is no getting out. If you ever have uh, watched any, any movies concerning um, the concentration camps in, 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 around Europe at that time, the Israelites could not. When they tried escaping, they did escape, but there were casualties. You see, in this situation, when they left, they didn't have to run. So it's not by might, it's not by power, but by the orchestration of God and God alone. There are situations that you and I need to move into. Moses' intellect, he was trained extremely well. He probably went to, what's that big school that they go to here? Eton. And probably went to the Oxford or the Cambridge of that time. All of that could not work in this situation. It was good, but would not work in this situation. God needed to demonstrate who he is on our behalf. So we yield to him. So one of the first things, wherever we are right now, we must have a teachable spirit. Mm, oh, hallelujah. In 1 Corinthians 1, Paul was speaking to the church in Corinth that God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the best minds. When Israel left, they did not. They had no weapons. They did not fire a bow. They did not fire an arrow. The Bible says they walked out from the youngest to the oldest. They walked out. Oh, are you hearing me? They walked out of the most formidable nation in the world at that time. God opened the door. The Bible says in Revelation 3 that Christ, I think it's Revelation 3, it's there about, that he holds the key of David. When he opens the door, there is no man, no pharaoh that can shut it. And the door he shuts, he shuts the door of adversity. No man can open it. Are we still? Are we still together? Now let's move on quickly from there. So while Israel was in Egypt, it might look like things were not going well. They don't like the job. They complained. They, they moaned. I came to to realize that God was teaching them in skills that they would need when they leave Egypt to the place he's taking them to. Because they needed to walk the farms, to walk the land, to walk the real estate, to walk the economy of where they are going. How do I know that? The Bible says, if you go with me, projection team, Exodus 31. Let's start from verse 1. Exodus 31. Aha, from verse 1. I'm going to read it from there, so please keep it. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, go to verse 2. See, I have called by name Bezalel, 
the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, go to verse 3. And I have filled him with the spirit of God and wisdom and understanding in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship, go to verse 4, to design artistic works, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, go to verse 5, in cotton jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship, go to verse 6. And I indeed have appointed with him a holy of the son of Ahisamak of the tribe of Dan, and I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may take all that I, that they may make all that I have commanded you. Please note, it was in Egypt that they perfected those skills. The Bible says um, um, every good gift and perfect comes, but it was in Egypt. So wherever Egypt you are now, the job you don't like, the boss you don't like, there is something that you are learning, that you need to learn, that you need to know that God needs to use when you get to that place that he's taking you to. Is Egypt palatable? Absolutely not. Sammy was horrendous. Are we, still, are we still together? Now, let me see. the other thing that God was doing with them. In Exodus 1, 5, if you can put it up. The Bible says that all those who were descendants of Jacob were 70 persons, for Joseph was already in Egypt. Now, go with me to Exodus 12, 37. Exodus 12, 27. Uh -huh. Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth about 600,000 men on foot besides the children. You know what, has, what had happened? God had built nations in that place from 70. Bible scholars, they were doing their maths. They said there are 2 million to 3 million of, the, of them that left. In fact, go to verse 37. Don't take it off. Verse 38, rather. Go to verse 38. A mixed multitude went up with them also and flocks and herds. Why am I saying this? A nation came out of a challenging situation because he needed them in those numbers to go and take over the land flowing with milk and honey that he's preparing them for. Because how can 70 people take nations? So they needed to be set individuals, families, clans in huge numbers to take over where God is sending them and where God is sending you. You can't do it alone. Are we still together? Let, let's look at something that God says in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, 5. Are you there with me or I should go by myself? 5. Build houses in this place. Dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Go to verse 6. Take wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be increased where? And not diminished. Let me use this. Um, some of us here have become um, thank you sir. British Oyibo. The Bible says in the beginning, be fruitful. Said, multiply. And somebody will know where I'm going here. For those of you who are still in the business, because some people have closed shop, 
when they have the boy, the girl, or the two girls, the boy, the close shop, and you tell the wife, the wife says, I love the key, throw the key away, that's the end of story. Our Asian brothers, you can put it on, you can see it, our Asian brothers, they are multiplying big time. Mm. You see, all this Oyimbo thing that we are doing, eh, yeah, because it's just my wife, the two kids at the back, it's okay. Ah. <laughs> That's not multiplying, no. On, seriously. They are having, in fact, while the laws of this country does not allow a second marriage, the imam has a second wife and has six children by the first one, another six by the second one, and they have house number five and number six, and they can get planning permission to create a door between house number five and number six, and then they flow through. Am I saying you should do that? No. God only ordains. <laughs> God only ordains one wife. But what I'm saying is there is power in numbers. Let's rethink. Let's rethink. They are more in number than we are. God did not send us here to increase in number. And in number, we have. You see, whilst in Egypt, they were growing. They were learning. They were getting fortified. And the God who took them there and took them out was the one who trained them. The Bible says in, in Psalm 144, 1 and 2, he, said the Bible, he is the one who, 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 who fortifies and equips us for war. He helps us to run against every troop and overcome every obstacle. Amen? Now, so what, what is this? about? For someone here, your next career move hinges on holding out and learning and opening up yourself to what God is planning to do with you and your family. For someone, it is the, the next expansion of the business you're doing. I don't know what it is, but you know. Because you need to increase and not diminish. In saying that, for someone, it's territory. For the children of Israel, it's to go and take over the place that God was using their enemies to prepare. For someone, it's the next family move. For someone here, it is a ministry move. In saying all of this, God does not backtrack. I, when I came across this, I said, wow. If you look at all the patriarchs, the Bible says in Isaiah 48, 10. Help me put it up. Don't go to sleep on me. Isaiah 48, 10. Okay. No, Isaiah 48, 10. <laughs> it says, behold, I have refined you and I, but not as silver. I have Tested you in the furnace of affliction. My God, it was not palatable because the Bible described what they were going through. Rigor, <laughs> ridicule, mockery, hardship, slavery, bondage. But God was refining and sharpening them and equipping them for where he is taking it. You see, in God's economy, there is no, if the Bible says in that Romans 8.28, that way she had, it says all things. There is nothing, nothing goes to waste in God. The good times, the bad times, the ugly times, the not so good times, whatever time you call it, nothing goes to waste in God. He is doing something. If you step back, 
It may not necessarily be for you, but for somebody coming behind, God is doing something, equipping you with something. Because Moses' 40 years training was a refining through the process of affliction. Please notice this is someone who was raised with a silver spoon in his mouth and had to be tending sheep and goats and answering to his father-in-law. Probably somehow when he, he did Zipporah's head in, she probably would threaten him. I would tell daddy. <laughs> Sorry, that's just me. <laughs> it can be challenging to work for your father-in-law. I was just thinking about it. I said, ah, this would not be palatable for, for, for someone who is a potential, potential king of Egypt now tending sheep in the desert for 40 years? Or was it Isaac's experiences at the wells that his father, Abraham dug? The Bible says in, in Genesis 26, he experienced contention. He was refined through the process. The, the Essex, the sit now until God got him to the place called Rehoboth. He now said, this is now room for us to prosper. Or is it Jacob? In, I think it's in Jacob in, in Genesis 31. Actually, let's go through it. Genesis 31. Uh, from verse 36, I, I believe. Genesis 31, verse 36. Uh -huh. This is Jacob when he left Laban's house. Listen to this. Then Jacob was angry and rebuked Laban. And Jacob answered and said, Laban, what is my trespass? What is my sin that you have so hotly pursued me? Go to verse we are reading all the way to verse 42. So go to verse 37. Although you have searched all my things, what part of your household things have you found? Set it here before my brethren and your brethren that, that they may judge between us. Go to verse 38. Now, please note this. These 20 years, I have been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried their young, and I have not eaten the rams of your flock. Go to verse 39. That which was torn by beast, I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it. You required it from my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Go to verse 40. There I was. In the day, the drought consumed me. You know, this was in desert. And the frost by night, and my sleep departed from my eyes. Go to verse 41. First I have been in your house 20 years. I served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock. And you have changed my wages 10 times. This is affliction. Four wives, children plenty, and wages were being caught at least once every two years. Now, how can that not be a furnace of affliction? But you know what? God brought him out exceedingly great from that circumstance. And so, do, uh, brothers and sisters, don't let's despise things we need to go through. Because some of them are God-ordained. And God will not do it anyway. Because some of us, we've done first degree, second degree. We've done, what's the other one? PhD. <laughs> we are smart. In fact, super smart. For God to tell us anything. God doesn't, those things are good. Don't get me wrong. But God doesn't need those things to take you out of where you are to take you into where you need to go. Are we still, are we still together? So God took Jacob 20 years of hard labor, but with great substance. Are we still together? Or is it Job? Job 42, the last bit. We know the, the circumstance, the situation. He didn't do anything wrong. Except some scholars say, save for the fear that he held in his heart, that the thing which I feared the most has come upon me. But you know what? 
everything Job lost. God restored twice. Please note, he was exceedingly, in fact, before the calamity started, the Bible makes us realize that he was the wealthiest man. Bless the wealthiest man in the Middle East. And the Bible says God blessed him with twice as much and restored to him much more. Are we still together? But he went through very challenging, a furnace of affliction. Oh, is it Hannah? First wife. Nothing happened. Then in certain parts of my culture, you take on, you start a second home. And first child, second child, third child, for it because we were told that Penina had sons and daughters. At least two sons and at least two daughters. And it was, Hannah was. And year after year, they kept on going to sacrifice. And after one is our await. This thing is, is more than enough. Mockery, ridicule. Was it affliction? Yes, the Bible said Penina made her life miserable. You see, but when God showed up because God had a hand in that situation, the Bible makes us realize that, I mean, brought Samuel forth, and the Bible says Hannah had sons and daughters. We didn't hear of Penina anymore. Are we still together? Now, in all of this, this, all of this, the Bible says to you and I, wherever you are, wherever you may be, we need to hold out until the timing of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, if you can put it up on the screen. It says, no temptation, let me paraphrase, no challenge, no circumstance has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond that you, which you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I wish to, for the children of Israel, let's go with me. Um, Isaiah 49, 24. Isaiah 49, 24. He took them out. Isaiah 49, 24. It says, shall pray. Israel was praying in the hand of Pharaoh. And it says, shall pray be taken from the mighty. All the captives of the righteous be delivered. Go to verse 25. It says, but thus says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible will be delivered, for I will contend. Did God contend with him? He did. I will contend with him that contends with you, and I will save your children. Because this issue in Egypt was about generational legacies. Go to verse 26. It says, I will feed those who oppress you with their own flesh, and they shall be drunk with their own blood as with sweet wine, and all flesh shall know that the Lord, I'm your Savior, and your Redeemer, the mighty one of Jacob. The whole world knew. Oh, yeah, they're telling me that I should. Uh, it is well. We will finish on time in the name of Jesus. Yeah. God took them out with a mighty hand. Go with me quickly. One of the verse scriptures, then we go and begin to round up. Um... Uh, Jeremiah 15, verse 20. Jeremiah 15, 20. Uh -huh. And I will make you to this people a fortified bronze wall, and they will fight against you. But they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you to save you and deliver you, says the Lord. Go to the next verse. 
And he says, I will deliver you from the hand of the wicked and I will redeem you from the grip of the terrible. Amen? Let's look at a few nuggets and I promise we'll round up in about six, seven minutes. A few nuggets. So, number one, we must believe by faith in God for the manifestation of the promises. God told Abraham in Genesis 15, they will be there for four centuries, but I will take them out. We said in Numbers 23, 19, that God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do, or has he spoken and he will not make good? His promises, 2 Corinthians 1, 20, his promises are yes and they are amen in him to bring glory to God. Now for those people who took, he took out, that they didn't get into a promised land, when the Bible says that, let me read this in Hebrews Three. This is on account of believing. Hebrews eleven six says that um, 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 faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things. That's from verse one. It says without faith it is impossible, impossible to please God. Hebrews three sixteen through to nineteen. If you can put it up, I'll read it here quickly in New King James Version. For who having heard rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now, with whom was he angry 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? The Bible said they did not enter his rest because they did not believe. In Hebrews 6, 17 through to 18, I'll read it out if you can catch up with me. First, God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise. The immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. You see, that Job we're talking about in Job 14, 14, he says, if a man dies, shall he live again? He says, all the days of my appointed time, I will wait until my change comes. And that change came by the time we got to the end of, of, um, of Job. Second thing. We must wait and wait with patience. We cannot outrun God. We cannot outpray the process. We cannot outfast the process. You can fast till you are blue in the flesh and lose all weight. It will not change the hand of what God has ordained because it makes all things beautiful in its time. We are the people of power. We are the power.